You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome, everyone. It is, you're listening to the RB1 colon a fantasy football podcast brought to you by faketeams.com. I am your host, Pete Rogers, joined as always by J.E. Barnett. That's right. Name change. Uh, as well as special guest uh, Clark Barnes. How you guys doing? It's a great day here in Wisconsin, so we're doing all right. So we're finally, after we have learned that this uh, podcast is most certainly not brought to you by Skype because yet again, we've had difficulties with them. So we we apologize if there's any kind of audio deficiencies. Uh, we're trying out the Google Hangout option. So we'll see how that works out. Um, Just for the record, Pete, I do not apologize for any audio hangups. Perfect. <laughs> At least that's on the record. I, as the host, have to make sure on the outset that I take all the blame. I'm the quarterback, uh, and you guys, you guys can uh, go ahead and have have an enjoyment throughout that. Uh, Clearly, I'm the yeah. receiver, so I'll just kind of hang <laughs> on, looking out for my own stats. Naturally, <laughs> naturally, that's and, uh, that's what I assume. I'm the Eli Manning, and you guys are my Brandon Marshall, Odell Beckham. In intermediate school, they said I was going to play offensive line, and so I quit. So just keep that in mind. <laughs> I played line all the way. <laughs> well, there you go. This is this is a winning group right here, you guys, and we're we're a winning podcast, so it all makes sense. Uh, so we got some good stuff to get to. Obviously, we'll get through the news. Uh, there was a whole bushel of injuries that that cropped up, and so we'll be discussing those as well as since the draft is just around the corner. Um, we figured we'd take a look at some of our past lovers, uh, some players who we are either too high on or too low on due to uh, past relationships that we've had on other teams. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, I do want to mention at the top of the show, I do want to talk about just briefly about Hurricane Harvey. Uh, and our, th- our thoughts go out to those in Houston who are affected by the storm. Um, on Fateen.com, and I know SB Nation uh, wrote up a site, uh, an article that they published and we've published it too. Uh, there's a whole bunch of different charities that you could donate so please please do that um and spoiler alert i know i've been talking with one of our writers um and we will probably be rolling out sometime in this next week uh for the in the second part of this week an effort to kind of help fundraise and do some our own uh raising for money to uh to help out for the hurricane so keep an eye out for that we'll make sure to be publishing that uh all across the boards you know jj watt's been out there i think just today they put out he's at uh 5.1 million dollars it's uh, new goal is six million now. Just what he's just treating uh, recently here. Yeah, it's it's impressive how much how much that uh, his he's been able to raise. Yeah, I, I grew up in Houston, and I've still got some family out there. And you know, folks in Houston are used to hurricanes. You never kind of you can never be a hundred percent prepared. Uh, but we've I've been around them my my whole life, and this one really is especially bad. So anything you can do to help is is really appreciated. Yeah. Excellent. All right. And with that, let's uh, let's move on to some news. Uh, so, again, the story it's preseason game number three happened. And with preseason game number three comes the most of the starting offense you will ever see in a preseason game. Uh, and we already know if you listen to this podcast, how I feel about preseason games. But that just got accentuated even more when Julian Edelman went down with a torn ACL. So la-di-da with that. Uh, also, Cameron Meredith went down, does the same thing, but in a much, much worse way. I would, if you're not super comfortable with watching knees and legs bend the wrong way, would not recommend watching that video. Uh, and Spencer Ware tore his PCL, uh, is now out for the season. So let's start with, let's start with uh, Spencer Ware. J.E., what does Spencer Ware's injury do to the fantasy landscape? What is what is the impact that has? Well, I think I've mentioned on the show before, my sister-in-law, uh, Emily, is a Kansas City girl. She's a Kansas City Chiefs fan. And 
so I, I reached out to her to see what the, her hot take on that was. And I think it, first off, she mirrored exactly what you were just saying that she doesn't like the preseason. She doesn't like that. And she especially hates it now that she's lost her, her guy. But, um, I think the big thing too, though, and she said this and, and I absolutely agree is they've just got a stable of people who can do this. Um, what it means is Kareem hunt is suddenly possibly just going to get almost all the carries Sharkandrick West somewhere in there, but it's going to be hunt. Uh, I think we're, we can all be pretty sure on that. <laughs> she, when, when I asked her her stuff, she sent me this thing back and says like, Hey, we're going to be fine. And, uh, I'll even get you the the order in which she listed the other running backs here because this is what got me. Uh, I think more than anything is she says. Uh, however, when your favorite players gets hurt, you know it's hard. Uh, I feel disappointed. We still have quote. We still have Spiller, West, and Hunt. Yeah, Spiller. Oh, that order that Spiller's in- and <laughs> uh, that's her team. But it's like never oh. hopeful. CJ Spiller. CJ Spiller. This Hopefully. year's the year, man. <laughs> Someday. <one's> year. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it's going to be Hunt. Um, the other thing that I think makes it interesting fantasy-wise is, is of course, Tyreek Hill, who, as we'll get to later, he sounds like a Game of Thrones character. That is not a name a human being has. <laughs> it sounds like a Game of Thrones name where it sounds like a name you know, but it's just wrong. Like, what's his name? Jeffrey? No, Joffrey. No. <laughs> oh, okay, sure. I, just, I get that. Just take a normal name and pronounce it as as douchely as possible. Joffrey. Sam, Samuel. Samuel, of course. Like, oh, yeah. Called his bannerman, and he's going to be ready. But, I mean, like, he's a guy who's interesting because he plays all over. He's uh, Montgomery Plus. He plays in the backfield. He runs. He, do, he does the end around. Uh, he'll play a wide receiver. That's the key that's far more interesting at this point. I don't know that he's way up to the front because he's bust a possibility as well. But uh, Hunt is the first thing. Hunt moves up to a low-end RB1, possibly. And uh, Tyreek Hill is is an interesting possible flex play, I think, at this point that uh, could have huge upsides. Yeah, I mean, so Andy Reid is one of the few coaches that can actually get his players into space. You see the, T-Von, the Tavon Austin, you see all these guys. Of, oh, if you can just get them in space, they can be great. Uh, but people can't really do that in the NFL. Andy Reid can. And that's why everybody is excited for anyone that is fast that plays for Andy Reid because we've seen Jamal Charles and we're projecting that on everyone else. And you see Tyreek Hill run and you just hope that that's going to happen. So, yeah, really interesting to see how it's going to break out in Kansas City. And and as you would expect, uh, Kareem Hunt is currently just rocketing up uh, draft boards, which and I think I wrote an article yesterday uh, just kind of breaking down what his impact could be and, and what he could be in fantasy. And I, at the end, post, posted a, uh, a poll just looking at comparing him to the other kind of top four rookie running backs coming into the league, uh, Fournette, McCaffrey, Mixon, and uh, Cook. And I was just saying, like, where do you think, you know, Hunt will rank among those guys in total fantasy points? And I was amazed to see that most everyone, like by a large margin, was thinking that he was going to be the best fantasy rookie running back, um, which... I and I said in the article, like he might stumble into the best position out of all of them. I mean, Kansas City lo- likes to run the football. They've got at least a decent offensive line, which is more than either Jacksonville or Minnesota can say. And then in Carolina, McCaffrey's got to battle. Well, both Carolina and Cincinnati, both of those guys have other running backs in front of them who they're going to need to kind of share touches with. And so I do think like Kareem Hunt has has the opportunity to to quickly become a rise to fantasy stardom. Clark, give me your thoughts, and I know that there will be plenty of thoughts because there is no offense in the NFL that is ripe with fantasy talent than the Chicago Bears. What what does Cameron Meredith do? Cameron Meredith do in that sense? <laughs> yeah, so I I've been pretty excited about Cameron Meredith. He was a great value, kind of going a little bit later than he should. Kind of the only guy that you wanted in the Chicago Pass offense, and. Uh, so we'll pull back the curtain a little bit before the show. We each got assigned a person. I was like, okay, Cam Meredith. All right. Well, I kind of not really interested in the bears, but I'm missing something. So let me pull up their depth chart. And it wasn't me. It's the bears. They're terrible. There's, <laughs> there's nobody on the bears. I mean, maybe Jordan Howard, if he can do it again, you know, I, I think he's a fine mid second round pick, but uh, everyone else is going in the 13th round. I mean, Kevin, Kevin White's like 12, 13. So I'm never going to bag on somebody for their 13th round pick, but just don't. I mean, if you want to make if you want to make Brock Eisweiler look uh, 
athletic, uh, watch some Mike Glennon tape, you know, so just, just don't, just don't. Good. It's sadly, it's sadly losing Karen Meredith. I mean, it just means now the defenses are just going to put even 10 in the box and just like, we're going to play no safeties. We're going to cover zero and just beat us Mike Glennon. And sadly, Mike Glennon won't be able to do that. So I'm a little, I, I drafted Jordan Howard in one of my leagues and I'm, I'm a little worried about him right now. There's a, um, if as, as everyone knows, I'm the resident Packers fan in the group here. I also write for another SB Nation blog for the Packers here. But um, way back when when uh, Ditka was still coaching, they had the replay game. The Bears lost on a um, what they thought was an over the line pass, and it went into a long, long replay and everything. And the Packers won because he wasn't entirely over the line when he let go of the ball. Don Mikowski. They made shirts in Wisconsin that uh, showed, you know, Mikowski with his helmet in the air standing there. And there's a referee in the background underneath that says, after further review, the Bears still suck. <laughs> Which sounds like what Clark was getting to there is like, it's not you. The yeah. Bears still suck. And if you listen during Packers games, if they're beating the Bears, you will hear the chant, Bears still suck. <laughs> That's It's just part of our, our culture at this point, And it exists, as every Packers fan would know. And that's the exactly. only thing I can think of when, when Clark just says, nope, they're just, uh, there's, there's not a lot of depth in that offense right now. To summarize, they just don't touch them. Do not. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe. Black holes, we've talked about this year, I think, right? Like the Rams and the Bears. About, but that is definitely a highlight. Yeah. Maybe, you know, keep it in mind for the waiver wire because I, I don't know why Marcus Wheaton got such a bad reputation in Pittsburgh. I mean, he, he would come up and do well every once in a while and – so maybe like keep them in mind, but don't, don't draft any of these people. Kendall oh. writes the name that everybody wants to talk about though, as the new guy who's entered in there in terms of the depth, at least, I don't know what you think you, you've discounted him without mentioning him at least. <laughs> right. No, that was, that was on purpose. Kendall wrong. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and do that bad pun. Wow. <laughs> there it all is. Night, guys. Yeah. Puns all are great. Right. It is. Um, and then finally I took as the residence Patriots fan and I took the, uh, Minitron, the squirrely squirrel, all his bajillion nicknames, tearing his ACL on a just a plant. He was running and wide open and just tried to cut, and his knee was not there. So, obviously, I am at first off devastated because Julian Edelman is the life of this team and the and the heart of the Patriots. But if there was ever a year that I could feel confident in him missing a year, it's this one because the Patriots are just flushed with offensive talent. I mean, you already brought in Brandon cooks who, and this is like one of my favorite stats in the entire world in the last, I think the last three years, the three most productive wide receivers have been Brandon cooks, Antonio Brown and Odell Beckham. So I'm okay with that transition. You still have Gronk. You've got Dwayne Allen. You've got uh, Chris Hogan who looked fantastic against the lions. You've got Malcolm Mitchell. You've got Danny Amendola, plethora of wide receivers. And as as we talked bef- um, before the podcast, they also now have three legit running backs. Well, really four if you count Deion Lewis. But outside of Deion, I mean, they've got Mike Gillisley, who's going to be running. You've got Burkhead, Rex Burkhead, Sexy Rexy, as I call him. Super Bowl uh, champion James White and Deion Lewis, who can all play anywhere on the field that you want. Um, from a fantasy standpoint, the Patriots can be the Patriots and you're never going to know who they throw the football to. So love to hate it, baby. And they, they still have the AFC least on their calendar there all year. Exactly. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to get on my soapbox here. Uh, so all weekend I've, or not all weekend, all off season, I've been listening to people talk about who's going to replace LeGarrette Blunt. Who's going to get the LeGarrette Blunt role. And the Patriots don't do that. LeGarrette Blunt had a role because they were ahead the whole time and they had a good offensive line and the Patriots adjust to their team. And so all this talk about who's going to get the Julian Edelman role. No, no one's going to get the Julian Edelman role. They're just going to do something different with all of the talent that they have. They can run two tight ends out there with Dwayne Allen and Rob Gronkowski, who can legitimately block. Uh, that's seven guys blocking for four really good running backs. Dion Lewis, my favorite, who I think is going to actually start and play the most snaps this year, if he can hold up, but uh, don't look for the replacement. Uh, you nailed it. It's going to be frustrating all year. You want Tom Brady. You want Gronk. After that, you're just going to maybe hope for some spot starts and get lucky. 
Yeah, I, I can see Brandon Cooks being the guy who starts off the season with like three just ridiculous games and everyone's like, oh, yeah, I'm so smart for drafting him in this third round. Like, oh, I'm a genius. This guy's going to pay out bookends. And then, you know, for the next 10 weeks, Brandon Cooks says, you know, like a great couple of games, but is nowhere near the consistent wide receiver one that that everyone was anticipating him being. I think I heard that just overnight from that uh, i think brandon cooks went up four spots in adp on espn oh my god i'm not surprised at all the hope is that uh if brandon cooks does end up with like 1800 yards and 20 touchdowns is we can delete this podcast because <laughs> i agree with <laughs> exactly we'll make sure that this is stricken from the record so that no one can ever call us back out for it uh moving on outside of the injuries there's some other breaking news uh we talked about it last week but the biggest thing that's ever happened in the world the cleveland browns have a quarterback of the future what deshaun kaiser so say uh, it's officially the train has officially stayed in cleveland and the hype train is real uh and the biggest thing that i was watching from him in that preseason the third week of preseason game was his connection with uh cory coleman who i have had in multiple lists as a very potential underrated sleeper. Uh, they were looking in sync and on the same page. One of the best alliteratively named wide receivers, if you ask me. I love it. I think I think if the two of them get on the same page, that's 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 prime for the making. I, he's the more electric player on that team. He's he's the interesting guy you want to see. And I wanted to see him do it last year because it would have really helped if he'd have done it last year. For me, no, I don't care about the other teams, but uh, I've been. Interesting, which now goes away is that the best um, slant route receiver in terms of like catch percent or catch uh, percentage and everything last year. And Kessler was the best slant pass passer in the NFL last year. And you're like, oh my gosh, if Kessler's starting, super valuable, at least in a PPR format. But and now, now yeah, Corey Coleman's the guy you still really wanted. I think in the long run, he's the better player. And Kaiser in terms of the fantasy value you get from a quarterback, he's only really valuable in a two quarterback league uh, or super deep leagues, like or something like that. He at least has some value there because he can run. Right. That's the yeah. line in front of him. He was, he was making yeah. the play he made in the preseason game last week. I was all for where he kind of scrambled out of the pocket and like just chucked a nice, beautiful bomb down to Corey. I, Corey Cole, this connection, I'm getting really hyped on and I'm pissed that like, two out of my three leagues have already drafted. And of course, Corey Coleman is no longer available. So I'm going to make sure to like, I'm just going to vulture him way too early uh, in this upcoming <laughs> league. I I know it's going to happen, but I'm okay with it. So I'm going to be the web blanket here. Your drafting early has saved you from yourself. Uh, <laughs> the Browns are terrible. Uh, Cody Kessler is still the best quarterback on the Browns. He is at least accurate. He's their Chad Pennington. No one's going to get excited about it, but the ball goes where he wants it to go. Uh, and so if he actually does get the start, I think Kenny Britt is the only guy that you want to spot start every once in a while, but I know everyone's excited about Deshaun Kaiser, but he's an unpolished rookie. Um, I want people to get excited. I want him to have a good career, but just don't waste any draft capital on anyone on the Browns. Again, I mean, we're talking about all the teams we hate other than Isaiah Crowell, just all of these guys can be picked up later after they start slow and everybody drops Kenny Britton, Corey Coleman, <laughs> keep an eye out for him, but don't, don't hurt yourself. Don't, don't draft those guys. They're just not going to, they're not going to be any good. In related news, Clark will never be invited back onto the show for being away. <gasps> <laughs> Clark gets the extra point today for the Chad Pennington reference. That's, that was fabulous. Way to reach back and pull it out. That was good. That's right. In, in case the balding didn't give it away, I want people to know on the audio version that I'm old. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> On the subject of quarterbacks, even though Chad Pennington never got paid at the level that Matt Stafford just got paid. What up? Um, <laughs> not really a fantasy conversation, but we figured I figured we had to talk about the fact that Matt Stafford is now the highest paid player in NFL history. So uh, resident NFC Norther thoughts. <laughs> I uh, I love every dime the Lions want to spend on anything other than adding new talent to that team. Uh, Matthew Stafford has one Pro Bowl in eight seasons. One Pro Bowl, and they're 0-3. He, at one point, receiver that we've seen in a generation, and has never won a playoff game. And has not only that, he has never won the division. I Yeah, I'm fine with it. He is a Tier 2 quarterback who's great on fantasy because he's going to put up numbers against um, teams that are bad. And 
he's going to lose against teams. Who learn, the the record I saw today was like ridiculous on him. Maybe it was yesterday. Whatever. Five and like six against winning teams. Yeah. yeah. Five and four six against winning teams. He just eats up on bad teams. And there's enough of them around that he's going to do something on that. So, yeah, fantasy wise, he's great. Um, we talk about it. He's got the leverage, apparently. Shock. Kirk Cousins leverage go. Because Kirk Cousins has been asking for a long term deal like this, or maybe less than this. And they haven't offered him anything close to this. He's a younger Matt Stafford. He's going to get you yards and points. He hasn't won yet, but he's younger. I, I think he's a better player in the long run here. He just hasn't had the time to screw up as much as Stafford. But, I mean, he definitely could be something different than that. I'd rather pay for that than, you know, pay for halfway through Matthew Stafford's career. Um, Kirk is but, just waiting for his payday in San Francisco. That's right. It will be in San Francisco. We've agreed on this. Oh, yeah. That's happening. <laughs> we'll see that next. Ha- I think you have to pay a starting quarterback that's in the top half of starting quarterbacks that money. And it, it seems a little outrageous each time this happens to like, Oh, Derek Carr is now the most, the highest paid quarterback. It's like, well, it's just because he got his contract the latest. And I think that's what we're seeing here with Matthew Stafford too. And you can't let him go. What are you going to do? Like, what are you going to be the right. Browns? And I mean, yeah, you look at year? like, what are you going to do? Right. You look at like the bottom half of the, of the league and the bottom half of the league is there because they don't have a franchise quarterback. Even if he's even if he's average amongst franchise quarterbacks, you still pay whatever you need to keep him because a quarterback list team is a team that's just going to suck. Like there's just there's nothing there. And for me personally, I mean, the amount of like you you get your checks, Matt Stafford, if you can get 27 million a year. Go get yourself 27 million a year. Power to you. David freaking Price is making 31 million a year. So I'm all right with that NFL player starting to make actual money. There's one thing I did want to add is also that I think in terms of percentage of the salary cap, he's still behind Flacco. <laughs> God, the Ravens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the contract, you forget that the salary cap goes up, which is why he's the highest paid, but right. the salary cap's gone up. So that that's the other part of it. Anyhow, it's not really fantasy, but it's interesting. So, uh, yeah, and we'll quickly touch on before we get into our, our past lovers and get actual to fantasy conversation. We're going to quickly for those who really, really, really love uh, their defense and special teams, or if they're in one of those leagues that draft defensive players, even though, well, no, no, none of these guys you'd really draft. Uh, Packers signed Ahmad Brooks and the Steelers signed Joe Hayden, which is perfect for the Steelers because uh, just like the Steelers, Joe Hayden can't cover Chris Hogan either in the AFC championship game. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, Drop it's just not interesting. Uh, it's not big money on either of these particularly. Uh, Brooks is only like three and a half guaranteed, and there's like five million total with incentives. He's gonna be a rotational guy. He's gonna come in behind Perry and Matthews. Packers were very good at pass rush last year. The problem they had is that they they had so many injuries in the backfield. Uh, it it makes that the the sack numbers should stay stable. He's gonna take on that. Uh, the peppers roll and step in there, do some additional pass rush and step in for when Perry and Matthews do get injured. And um, they're also waiting for Vince Beagle to come back from his foot injury at the time. So it gives them a good depth. That'll help keep the sack numbers up for your defense. Um, and in terms of Hayden, save him some yards. He doesn't need to be amazing. They they do need some help on the back end, someone on that defense, they give up yards. And the other thing is uh, they do have an offense to get some points. So cutting down on the yards that they're giving up, is important, especially since they're going to get passed on. So those the little bits there for your your defense special for those, teams. Yeah, for those who are really about the defense. Uh, yeah, just going on, deep. on the football perspective. I mean, two teams pick up two dudes who will help a little. The Steelers are not very good in the secondary. They get a good secondary guy. Packers need linebacker linebacker help. They get linebacker help. It's not a sea change for either team. You know, good moves for both teams. Yeah, no, in an actual football perspective, they're very solid moves. Um, and you kind of saw the writing on the wall for uh, Joe Hayden to the Steelers immediately once he was released by the Browns. There was all kinds of uh, chats going about there between them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, solid signings at this point in the offseason for both teams. But from a fantasy, it doesn't, doesn't change the dial at all. Um, so now that we've covered sufficiently covered the news, uh, and we have now, we're now going to get on to our past lovers. Um, and maybe we'll come up with some really smooth jazz for the background of this when we actually release the podcast to get you guys in the mood. It's very easy 
to uh, to struggle separating the past from the present when it comes to drafting your fantasy team. And sometimes you're really high on a guy because he was great for you on a past team. And sometimes they've scorned you so many times you just don't even want to touch them. Uh, for me, that is Todd Gurley. He was crushing last year. Uh, so we each thought of two people, one, I have at least one person who is someone who I look fondly back on, uh, and someone who I, uh, whose relationship ended with fire and brimstone for me. Uh, but let's start with, uh, let's start with our, our latest addition to the podcast. Clark, who you, who you got? One of my oldest loves in fantasy football is little Danny Woodhead Uh, started out as a Patriot moved to the charges. And now he's, he's in. Uh, he's in Baltimore. He's going to lead that team in receiving and receptions this year. Uh, I always draft him too early and uh, every year that he doesn't get hurt, it pays off. And I look like a genius. And every year that little Danny Woodhead gets beaten up by the likes of Vontez perfect or other giant men who play linebacker. I look like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, so I, I still think he's undervalued. I love watching him play. He's good. He catches the ball. He can block. He's a great goal line runner, which he doesn't get a lot of credit for. Like he's not moving the pile, but he goes around the pile. Uh, I'll stop waxing poetic. I, I love Danny Woodhead. What do y'all What do y'all think about him? I love him too. I think I think if he doesn't get injured, I mean he's just a PPR, especially in, in PPR leagues. He's, he's just a monster in that. And you're right about the fact that he's fallen into a similar dynamic as Bilal Powell in New York. Don't hurt uh, me, Pete. Don't hurt me. Don't you call Danny Woodhead Bilal Powell, Pete? Don't you do that? <laughs> well, I'm just saying more of the fact that like the Ravens have no real. I mean, they have Mike Wallace, but they like. There's no one there in that Ravens offense, and there's no one there in, in the Jets offense. And so those guys are going to get their touches because they're, you know, easily the number one, number two option. Uh, so they're going to get a lot of usage. And I loved, I loved Danny Woodhead. I mean, he was a, he was a Patriot. He was the classic Patriot third down running back who was just squirrely as all hell and then went off to the Chargers and kept doing that. That's the biggest thing that I love about Danny Woodhead. He's, he's one of the rare cases as soon as he leaves the Patriots, he's like actually still as successful as he was with New England. Give us, give us your your past love, then, Jay. Uh, I'm going to with one actually different than what we talked about earlier. Um, everybody has their favorite league, and for me, mine is a 16 team, the IDP and half PPR, and we've been running it since '04, uh, and I've run it from Iraq. In fact, uh, about half the people are either people I deployed with or other areas. So I call it the OIF vets and the rest. I write a newspaper for this league every week and send it out to all the players. Well, in 2012 in this league, and one of the big keys to that victory was the fact that in week one, I watched, and I don't remember who they played that year, uh, but I watched a running back halfway through the game. By halftime, I said, man, I don't know who that is, but I'm getting him. And that was Alfred Morris. And he carried me to a championship. Wow. And then I continue to think, well, this is amazing. I'm going to get him next year, you know, and, you know, I, I go, go out and get him in one or two other leagues. And, you know, then I'll maybe last year is the down year. He's coming back. It's going to happen. And you don't realize how completely his entire performance was tied to RG3. G3 couldn't run. Alfred Morris can't cut. <laughs> Alfred Morris <laughs> is good at going up the middle when, when he's got a running quarterback. And he hasn't been as good. He's good at going kind of straight ahead. I mean, one cut and go. And he just wasn't as good when his quarterback wasn't as good. And it really hurt. He hasn't had a lot of fantasy value since. Okay, I think I think our very first podcast, I mentioned something about Alfred Morris and uh, Ezekiel Elliott. I just said, you know, I've, I've just been hurt too much. <laughs> I'm done with him. He's scored We've got a clean break times. now. It's, Hard break, but it we're 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 severed this time. We're done. Those Alf. those were the Shanahan days, is that right? Yeah, he's the quintessential Shanahan running back. You don't need to be good; you just need to put your foot in the ground and get north. And that's what he was so good at that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was he, good. I mean, like the problem is just the the culture shifted around him as to what he needed to do and to what they wanted him to do, and he he, he really was lost in in Gruden's offense. He's not a pass catcher. He's he's that guy, yeah, like Shanahan wants. He wants to do those things. He's great. He got a lot of great rushing yards for me, but yeah, no, um, there there was not much else after that. 
I can't I remember if, if it was like I, I can't remember what TV show it was, but it was something some kind of like inside the NFL or some kind of story. And, and Alfred Morris had had his big year, and they showed him and uh, some of his teammates busting his chops because he was driving like a 1992 Accord. And everybody's making fun of him because it's like, man, you just rushed for 1,400 yards. Yeah, and you're driving a 92 Accord, man. You need to go get you a fancy car. And he, he was he was very humble. He's like, man, I, I just had one good year. I'm not going to get too excited. You know, you always got to stay humble. And, and man, what a wise man because after that year. He needed to stay a, humble. He should have got the car. <laughs> you need to capitalize, capitalize on then when you're dealing with somebody who played for a team called the Owls. <laughs> I do want to say, I do want to say that uh, it's a it's a bummer that we're not so amazing and so good at our jobs that we have our own TV show because watching Je's face talking about Alfred Morris just just crestfallen, just uh, <laughs> thinking back on the memories <laughs> and the hard times he's had with him. Yeah, like if you run yeah. a drama department and you want to show like what <laughs> exactly. sad looks like. We have provided that clip for you just, tonight. Just think, just think Alfred Morris is a fantasy performance over the last three years. Uh, so everybody needs to get out there and need to follow us enough that we get a video uh, going on this and can put that feed out there for everybody. There you go. You That's now on you, the listeners. You, the listeners, are going to be the the crowdsourcing that's going to get this show on the road. I will stay, I'll stay with J.E. and I'll do someone who has, whose love has scorned me to the point where I am just not touching them. And it's only been one year, and I'm sure that I will live to regret this scorn. But Kelvin Benjamin last year for me just, just was – too much. He was hurtful. Uh, he started off the season fantastic. He had a 15-point game in week one and a 22-point game in week two. And so, of course, being the noob fantasy player that I am, I was like, hey, I'm going to trade for Kelvin Benjamin. And I'm going to make this sly maneuver as he's like just about to like build the greatest re- season ever by a wide receiver. I was thinking like Mike Evans numbers. And then, alas, he went on to just do a whole bunch of nothing since I traded for him. Um, and I'm sure that he'll bounce back and maybe be able to do something in the Panthers offense, but I, I can't, I can't bring myself to draft him again after I actually spent players to get him. And I can't remember which players thank, thank the Lord. Cause if I had like had traded someone who just panned out to have a ridiculous season, I would have hate my, hated myself forever. But at the very least, Kelvin Benjamin, I I'm just staying away from, I can't coax myself into, into thinking that he's going to have another great season. I had him that rookie year. Uh, I think oh. I drafted him as I'm trying to think if I had him as a wide receiver three at draft time. And then of course he finished the year top 10, I believe in, in fantasy points among receivers. So that, that worked out very well for me because I essentially had two ones and that one <laughs> was a very happy time for me. But yeah, the, the following year is the year he, he tore his ACL, right? Right. Yeah. And yeah. so then coming off of it, he like started off with a bang and I was all like, yes, this is happening. And it was my, my brother was the one who I traded with and he joined the league just so that we would have a 10th person. So like, didn't care, doesn't know anything about football. And so I traded him. I, I was like, Oh, this is going to be the steal of the century. Like I'm going to trade no one. And I'm going to get Kelvin Benjamin just as he's entering his prime. And then he just did a lo- whole load of nothing. And that was just hard to watch, hard to watch. Yeah. I was a Kelvin Benjamin believer. And I was one of those obnoxious people on Twitter who, after his first two games was like, see, See, <laughs> did you it. were all wrong. I was right. He's good at football. And then I just and stopped then, doing it on Twitter. And then <laughs> I stopped tweeting. Um, Clark, give us give us your scorned love of the past. I have so many. So I, I have fond I memories. So of, I have fond <laughs> memories of these people. You know, it's, it, it's better to have loved and lost than than never loved at all. I love these guys. Jamal Charles, my number one running back last year. I know that was a long time ago, but uh, conjecture at the time was that his knee was fine and he was going to come back. And I just latched on to our Lord and Savior, and I I couldn't let it go. I was hot taking it. I put out my top 200. I put him number one. I think Adrian (laughs) Peterson was number two. So please keep that in mind while I'm dispensing (laughs) fantasy advice on the show. He's so good. He's so good. And now he's teasing me again this year putting up a mediocre performance in week three of the preseason, really making me consider 10th. But that's all Clark needs. Clark just needs like three yards. And he's like, yes, I just needed her to text me. Hey, what are you up to? And I'm back in. (laughs) (laughs) It's all it takes. I'm ready to get back into this abusive relationship. I don't care. (laughs) Oh man. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just, I do not, I, I don't know why you would draft. I would not even touch Jamal Charles, but hey, to each their own. Uh, J.D., who's, who are you in love with or who, who's your past love that, uh, that's still been in a very positive relationship? Um, well, <laughs> go with one here. This is the, the recent ones here that I've had who I'm probably still going to try to find ways to get this. Well, you said most of my leagues have drafted. I think I've got seven or eight of the 12 leagues I'm currently going to be in drafted. Ooh. Um, but uh, Jameson Crowder is a guy who, and this is where, where I enjoy him because he's a guy who was not somebody I went out and spent big picks on. Uh, he's frequent. A lot of times I just end up getting him because he's available a lot of times partway through the year. And last year he was just kind of a ridiculous touchdown monster at times. Just like big play. You know, like, oh, I only one catch. Oh, 60 yards and a touchdown. I'm like, all right. He had that streak where he scored like like five games in a row or something like that. And I started him all of those games because, you know, he's, he's like the guy who came back for, for cousins in terms of relationships too. in this one, uh, I'm still excited about the idea of him. He's not a wide receiver one, but he's a guy you want on your team because he's, he's there. He's open. He's going to get that underneath. And especially if you're doing a PPR, I think every now and then he's going to have that. He gets you a couple return yards sometimes, but he's, he's somebody who's, who's in there and, and they like finding him and he just needs a little bit of space and he goes and does something with it. So, uh, me, uh, me and Crowder, we're still going strong. I think at this point, I don't think there's, I think this can last. I think it's I think just this a relationship. I, just, I can totally, I can totally get behind that, especially what you were saying about the continuity, just in the fact that like, he's the only receiver that in Jordan Reed, who's coming back for Kirk cousins and, you know, Kirk cousins is in pretty much a completely new receiving group. Uh, so yeah, I, I love myself some Jameson Crowder. So that's a, a fantastic, yeah, a per, fantastic person to fall in love with. Yeah. There's no heartbreak on this one. It's just no heartbreak. the guy I, I just, it's kind of a crush I have uh, at this point. I don't have a ton of guys that I really just hold on to year to year to year, but there's always like one or two guys from like the last two or three years. You're just like, it's, he's been good to me, you know, yeah. Let me stay with it. Yeah. I mean, he's I going to go looking at other pastors. He's going late in the sixth. You're right. I mean, <laughs> that's a good place for him. You're, you may not, maybe not your wide receiver too, but when the bye weeks come around, Maybe he does a little better than people think. I think you can't go broke drafting a guy like Jameson Crowder. So I'm with you on that one. I like him. And my my guy who I love, I'm giving this this is big old shout out to Clark. I didn't even know this before I before I picked him, but I had two years ago, I had DeAndre Hopkins when he just like tore the league. Uh, and so I just still feel, I still have it in my heart of hearts that last year was a fluke and that it was all Brock Lobster's fault. And now that Brock Lobster is just not even a starting quarterback anywhere. Deandre Hopkins is all primed for another just fantastic season, him and Tom Savage and maybe a little Deshaun Watson. But I think, I think people underestimate Tom Savage as an, as an actual, uh, decently okay caliber quarterback. So uh, DeAndre Hopkins, man, and I've written about this plenty of times. He is someone who I think people are kind of sleeping on, underestimating, and could return to his wide receiver like two or three ways. You mean the, as a as a wide receiver three on your roster, or not the not the number two? as the third best receiver in fantasy football? That's what I mean. Oh. Not as, as wide receiver three. I was going to say wide receiver three would be tough. I would think. <laughs> right, I, would, I love him so much. The, the thing that's going now, though, is his hand is still out. Yeah, I don't think he's really done anything for a bit now in the preseason. And I know there's some concern about that. I, I mean, are you worried about that as you go forward in terms of your no, your relationship? I'm blind. I have blind love. It's, it's, it's <laughs> I have blind faith that last year was a complete fluke. And that's the thing is it's just like I've done no – I shift none of that blame. It's a perfect relationship where you shift none of the blame to the person who might have some fault. You're just like, no, it's entirely the other guy. It's entirely Brock, Brock Osweiler's fault. And now that he's gone, me and DeAndre Hopkins can get back on good terms. <laughs> yeah, so so being on a podcast with a Packers fan and a Patriots fan, I've held this out quite on purpose. Uh, I'm a Texans fan, so I know what suffering is. And I love DeAndre Hopkins. He's so good. And – Tom Savage is not. 
It's not going to work. I, I think it was one of our first articles this year. Uh, Pete's our editor over at Fake Teams, and he's said, hey, let's do sleepers and busts. And I was like, man, I got this great bust article that I'm going to write. And the bust article guy always looks smart because, you know, people bust more often than they're great. And uh, <laughs> so I write it out and I post it on Wednesday, I think. And Pete sends me a message. He's like, that's great. I've got Hopkins as a sleeper and you've got him as a bust. Let's do a poll. <laughs> I was like, great. And it turns out like 90% of Twitter also loves DeAndre Hopkins. So yet again, guys, Jamal Charles won Adrian Peterson two last year. I may not be good at this. <laughs> You're in the right profession. This is perfect. I don't know. I might be more with you, Clark. Um, but he's so good. And yeah, he's so good. In, in and that's the thing. Here, um, the, the Texans are my favorite AFC team just because J.J. Watt is my man crush. I was at UW Law School while he was playing. I used to watch him run off the field. It was just one of the most amazing things I've ever seen on a football field. Again, we oh, need oh. to have a TV show so you can watch J.E.'s face light up at talking about his man crush. I love that guy. Oh, He's from Pewaukee, Wisconsin. There's so much that you guys are missing for not having visuals. It's really upsetting me. I'm a, I'm a very visual person, uh, especially my facial features. I try to. I, I emote. There it I'm, is. That's where it is. <laughs> uh, excellent. Well, does anyone have any final thoughts before we maybe dabble into a third and final topic before we uh, wrap this sucker up? I, I have one more. And Ooh, as a here. resident, as our resident Patriots fan, you'll like this. I love Deion Lewis, man. I love it. I know I like that it. that backfield's going to frustrate us all year. And I know we're never going to know who's going to have a good game, but he's good. He's so good. And I think the Patriots find a way to utilize good players and I think that uh, Deion Lewis and James White are really the guys that are going to benefit from Edelman's targets. You're never going to know when, so good luck. But Deion Lewis is so good. He got the start in the third preseason game against Detroit. He looked good in between the 20s. He was clearly the back that they were using. And I know, I mean, of, of all teams to look at what they did in the preseason and not take any stock in it at all, the Patriots are the one. But I just... <laughs> I'll have him in every league this year. I love you, Dion. I you people forget he's also another guy who, given last year, like he, he tore his ACL two years ago, and then last year was recovering from that. Everyone, everyone, everywhere says it takes two years or it takes one full year after the ACL surgery to like fully recover and fully be yourself again. Especially when you're someone like Dion, who's whole offensive game is built around being shifty and elusive and quick jabs and quick moves. Um, so hopefully a whole nother year to, for that need to have recovered for everything to fe- for him to feel comfortable with it. Uh, I agree with you. I think I had written an article and, and good old me again, we're just, none of us should be doing this as a profession. <laughs> three, I think it was like two or three months ago. I wrote that Dion Lewis could be on the chopping block that he's someone who, who could be as a roster on the roster bubble. Um, but I agree with what you're saying, Clark, is that they clearly have shown that they're a invested in him and he's shown up in the preseason. And I think he has the most continuity with that offense in the running back position as, as, exclusively a running back James White more on I mean James White was third on the team last year in terms of targets so I would consider him more of a of a wide receiver Jonathan's also telling me that that is another Wisconsin man and he is James White. Um, <laughs> so I would I would agree that I think Deion Lewis is going to be could very easily have that backfield role and again you know whether or not that's going to be on a week-to-week basis or consistent enough for you to reliably start him in fantasy the answer is no but it's something to keep in mind. Mike Gillisley is the worst running back on the Patriots roster right now. There it is. Fire take. All right. Uh, move, finally, they finally, we we are going to uh, we are going to bring on the. And if you listen to our past episodes, you know we have the Arch Maester himself, uh, Heath Caps. We were going to bring him on to talk the season finale of Game of Thrones. However. Uh, as we were recording this, it is almost 11 East Coast, and Heath is an old man with kids. <laughs> and so he told me he's going to bed. Um, so but we'll still chat a little Game of Thrones because, you know, why not? We'll just we'll just give us our, our little quick thoughts about the uh, future of Westeros. Uh, so before we get into anything. In your fantasy, the fantasy points, who had the most points at the end of this? I, I didn't get involved in the the... So we hadn't totaled. We haven't totaled everything. Uh, I but the, I can tell you the best performance was Heath 
Uh, and again, before we get into it, spoilers, obviously, spoil, spoil, spoil. We are going to spoil the entire show for everyone. We've had days to get past the spoilers. Yes, exactly. You're like, yes. You, you, <laughs> We've you given you plenty of time. All of the world, if you can't get Game of Thrones spoilers on Thursday. Yeah. Um, but so the best, the best day that anyone had, the best uh, week that anyone had was Heath when the Night King killed uh, the dragon. That was like 400 points he scored because killing a dragon is 200 points. So he uh, he raked in the points there. I think it was a pretty close contention, though, between Heath and my fiance Becca throughout the entire the entire thing. Both of those, both of them all fluctuated between one or two. Like a regular fantasy league, did your, did your fiance pick this? Like, I only pick the color of the dragon, or you know, like I need to pick that guy. I like his outfit. You know, oh, she watched it. She's watched and read all the books. She knows her her stuff, and so she was like, "Oh, you know what? Like last episode, she's like, you know what? I just have this feeling that Sansa is about to do some ridiculous stuff. Like things about to go down at Winterfell, and it's all going to be because of Sansa." So she picked her, and I was like, "I can't complain with that pick because Sansa Sansa made some things happen." Does Sansa just get the assist? On that kill? So originally, or? originally I was going to give her just the assist. And then Arya verbatim is basically like, you were the one who killed him. I was just the executioner. And I was like, damn it. If Arya is the one who like calls out the kill, then I can't argue with Arya. So yeah, Sansa gets points for the kill. Totally so, going against their own dad check. there, though. Right. The executioner. Right. The one who declares the kill should be the one who is the executioner. Right. But, you know, you got to have Arya do a dope little like spin move right through the neck. And and he's gonna wear his face. Come on, you know that's <laughs> oh gotta, yeah, totally. That's totally for, gonna happen. Except for being I, little finger doesn't let you sneak into places. Suddenly he just appears and everyone's like, Oh, what's up? What's up, little finger? Here, come oh, over yeah. here. We got a bunch of secrets to tell you. <laughs> totally inconspicuous. <laughs> I know you're not gonna share any of the, any what you hear with anyone because you're such a trustworthy guy. Um uh quickly before we before we wrap it up, what are both of your feelings? for the future of Westeros. Do you think that like what, which most people on the internet said after watching uh, John and Danny finally consummate their relationship, but then also in turn discovering that they are thus related and that John is the heir to the throne. Do you see that this is, do you see this relationship ending in chaos and destruction and all of Westeros crumbling at to its knees? Or do you see John being like, you know what? I'm going to pass this on. We're all cool. I feel like everything's going to be fine. Cool. <laughs> People are just going to talk it out. They're going to have reasonable, measured discussions and come to a decision that works the best for everyone. What was the one thing my, my wife was talking to me about this today? One of the interesting things, because you see at the end there, like Tyrion mm-hmm. knowing kind of what's happening and not looking too pleased, but are they're 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 serious allies now? You know, and he's like, the thought is, when we got the scene and he he points out that Cersei's pregnant. They stop. There's an agreement to go north. Something else happened there. Promise that somehow her child will be on the throne as part of the agreement. Interesting. She's going to immediately violate, which she has already right, immediately right, violated. Right. Already, it's already violated. Um, in league with that somewhere. Interesting. I thought it was just because Tyrion is now worried that he's already seen some of his sway over Daenerys slipping to John. And so now he's worried that he's going to have to compete for Daenerys, like to guide Daenerys with John. And he's not so sure he likes that because he, he knows her better than John, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that they're just like young crazed hormonal kids. And she's got two dragons. I would like a third smaller dragon to be discovered so that Peter Dinklage can get on it. That's what I would really like to see in season nine. What are we going into now? Season, season seven, eight, eight, season seven. Okay. Um, we need to discuss is, are all the dragons male? It's a good question. They're all named for men, so we don't like to put labels on it. Yeah, they're just right. they're just. But how are we going to get more dragons? I you can't bring them back out of extinction in mythology just to have them just die of old age. I'm like, well, <laughs> well, well, that's the cool thing about magic. Because magic explains everything. Yeah. How did that happen? Magic. Thanks, son. It's magic. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Well, as always, it's been a rousing discussion. Uh, hopefully you got something out of this because we uh, clearly all know everything that there is to know about the uh, fantasy football world and Game of Thrones. Um, make sure to uh, rate, to like, 
to subscribe, to do all of those good things. We're on iTunes. Give us stars because we're still waiting for everyone to rate us and give us lots and lots of stars. Find us on Twitter at RB1 Podcast. Make sure to uh, follow us. You can follow me at PM Rogers. You can follow JE at JBarn54. And you can follow Clark at Clark, you're what? NFL Clark? Yeah, and uh, draft Jordy Nelson. You won't regret it. I love you, Jordy. draft Jordy Nelson. You won't regret it. Jordy Nelson in the last, again, at least the last three years, has had over 83 receptions, over 1,300 yards, and over eight touchdowns every single year. So hard to say no to him. He's very good. He's he's pretty decent. Uh, The other thing Uh, I do want to point out, too, uh, we've just started this. I think we have the post up now at this point. We are doing a fantasy football league through the site, the fake teams, fake league. And uh, we're sending out invites. We have, I believe it's five of our writers uh, joined on to do this. Is it five or six? No, I'm sorry. We had a few more on this one. Um, but uh, if you want to join this, give us your reasons why you want to be in this league. Uh, give us a good reason why you should be the person we choose to be in this. I believe we have five spots at this point, actually. Uh, it's the RB1 podcast at gmail.com. I'll go through those and uh, try to pick out some of the best answers. Maybe we can get you on a podcast during the year as to what we're doing or how you're doing or how you beat us or something <laughs> along those lines. But rb one podcast at gmail.com. Send us your reasons why you need to be in this league. Uh, we'll send out the invites. I'm the commissioner in that league. Um, it is a 12-team ESPN standard scoring standard roster league, non-PPR so if you have any interest in doing that or fighting against our our writers here, uh, go ahead, send that email in and let us know. Your reason could exclusively be I want to draft Kelvin Benjamin and make Pete watch as he destroys everyone. That is a valid reason. Uh, as always, you guys, thank you, J.E. Thank you, Clark, for coming on. Uh, and we will talk to you guys next week.